You know, one of the desires I think every one of us have as people is to fit in. We want to find a place to belong, whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're in between. That need never goes away from us. We are trying to fit in. We want to find a place to belong. And we see it in every area of life. Every day we can encounter people who may be in a crowd and maybe they're in the middle of this crowd and perhaps they are the loneliest people in the earth because they don't have a place to belong. They're just in the crowd. They haven't found a place. They haven't found their place to fit. I, I can remember when I was a teenager that the most important thing as I was getting into my freshman year was that I wanted to fit in. You remember those days in teenage life when you really in high school or even junior high, you wanted to fit in. I wanted to find my place to belong. So, you know, as a freshman, I'm in PE class and where there's a couple of people picking teams and I'm in the line where I'm not picking them, I'm supposed to be picked. Well, I wasn't the first picked. I wasn't the second picked. I wasn't the third picked, and I began to cry. No, I didn't cry, really. But I realized that I was not made out to be a sports person. And everyone knew that. It wasn't my strength. But it didn't stop that need I had to fit in and to belong in some place. And thankfully, I did find a place to belong, to fit in. It wasn't with the athletes, right? It wasn't with the smartest people. I remember there was a bunch of smart people that they knew they were smart. They were CSF scholars and, whoa, it wasn't that. I never got that. And it wasn't with the popular people. Listen, when I was in high school, they used to call the popular people socias. They still call them that? Probably not. You're just popular. There's a new name, but you get the idea. I wasn't a part of the popular people. Uh, But I did find a place to connect. I did find a place to belong. I did find a place to fit in. I, was, I went in and joined the marching band and the concert band. I was a musician. I liked to play. And I joined this group of people. And that was the place that I found where I could fit in, where I belonged. I can look back today, just a few decades, maybe more than a few decades, <laughs> away from my high school graduation. I look back on those four years in high school and I go, they were a blast. They were fun. You know why? I found my place to fit in. I found my place to not only just hang out with freshmen, but to hang out with juniors and seniors who actually didn't make fun of me. And I go, wow, this is cool. I found it. I also think that's one of the reasons it drives people to join fraternities or social clubs or or lodges or even to come to church to find a place to fit in. Because I think that's one of the key attractions to Christianity. It's a place where you can truly belong. When you come to Christ, if you're a Christian here today, when you come to Christ, you get so much more than simply a ticket to heaven. I mean, you become a child of God and God loves you like no one else can. He loves you like a heavenly father and he gives you a place to belong. So we are now in the third week of our series about spiritual gifts and we're calling this series, You Have a Gift. And it's important because because one of the things we're communicating through the scriptures in this four-week series is that spiritual gifts are not just for some people. They're for everyone. And they're not just for everyone, they're just not for you alone, but they're for the church at large, the body of believers, to build us up. To have, if we gather together as a church family, we are to be built up together. And these gifts give us a way to fit in, a way to belong. That's not all. This belonging has way more significance here in a church than in any other place where you could try and fit in. 
Because becoming a Christian, coming to Christ means that you become part of a family, a family of God. Look around. This is part of the family of God. This is second service. We just had first with some, and we're going to have third next. This is second service, and you are with other spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ if you're a Christian here this morning. You are joined with them in a way that goes way beyond every other relationship known to humanity. Did you ever think about that as part of a church? It's true that this relationship that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ won't be separated by death. So get used to loving each other because you're going to be together for eternity. How's that? Some of you are not very excited about that, I can see. (laughs) So to help us understand the value and the importance of this eternal relationship, Paul wants to help us understand how it's compared to a human body. So you're going to hear the word body a lot today. And just like how our human body works best when every part is healthy and every part is working the way it was designed, the church, the body of Christ people of God, all three of those are one and the same, works best when every part is healthy and operating the way it was designed. So the idea we're going to talk about today is this. The church, if you haven't got your insert pulled out yet, make sure you keep it close. Here's the first blank for those of you who like blanks. I personally like blanks, so I'm one of you, okay? Just go in there. That's why I always make blanks for you. So the church demonstrates its oneness by functioning like a human body with every part playing its necessary role. The church functions, demonstrates its oneness by functioning like a human body with every part playing its necessary role. So today I want to talk to you about how you fit in, how you, how does you and your spiritual gift you have fit into the body of Christ. And to do that, we're going to walk through, we're going to continue to go through this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Dan's done up to verse 12 so far, and I'm going to pick it up there. We're going to see how we learn about two necessities there are to fitting in by using your gifts. So we've got our inserts out. We know where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you got a Bible or whatever you use for a Bible, just open that up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to cover 12 through 20. So let me just give you the first blank here on this. One of the first necessities that we're going to learn about is the necessity to be united. Look at verse 12 as Paul writes this. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Let me pause right there. We're going to take one verse at a time for a while. I mean, there's nothing more united than a human body. Don't, I don't think of my body in terms of its parts, although it has many parts. You know, when I get up in the morning, I don't usually say to myself, Gary, be sure not to forget your arm today because you're going to need it. It comes with me wherever I go. You know, not only that, I definitely don't want to lose it. How many of you want to, we don't want to lose our arms. I mean, it's united to me, it's connected to me, and I'm going to protect it at all costs. There's so much there for us to take away. See, in the same way, believers are part of a body, and because we're all parts of the same body, we shouldn't think of one another as individual parts, but as one. Just as the body is made up of many parts, so the church is made up of many people with different gifts. The body is one, yet the body has many members. 
Verse 13. We're going to talk about the first half of this. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Let's pause right there. We'll pick up the second half in a minute. Another way we are united is by spiritual baptism. Now, when we hear the word baptism, we usually think of a church ceremony where someone gets wet, right? This is not water baptism. This is spirit baptism. The one idea that's always present with this concept of baptism is the idea of identification, When you're baptized, you are being identified with something. You were given a place in his body, and you were identified with him. You're a new person. You have a new identity. Here Paul says, it's by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. The spirit is what distinguishes the believer from the non-believer. The spirit is what marks the beginning of the Christian life. The spirit is what marks the, the, the makes you a person, a child of God. For those of you who have trusted Jesus today, those of you who are sitting among us, you received this spirit, this one spirit. See, the baptism of the spirit Paul's talking about is this once and for all event in the life of a believer. And it takes place at the very moment you decide to let Jesus into your life, when you receive him into your life. And it has placed us, it has identified us into the body of Christ. We have a place to fit in, a place to belong. Now let's go on to the second half of verse 13 because this tells us another way we're united, very practical, very real life connection to us today. Here we are. We are united, you see, in a way that goes all beyond all man-made barriers. Look at what he says. Whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. So Paul picks on two areas. He probably could have used more, but he picks on these two. The first one he mentions is racial barriers, Jews and Gentiles. And in that time, there were just two groups of people. There were people who were Jewish and there were people who were Gentile. And if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. And the prejudice that existed between these two groups were extreme. Jews hated everything Gentile. They were an isolated group of people. The Jews wouldn't eat at the same table with Gentiles. Jews wouldn't even want to come close to a Gentile. Let's say they're walking down the road and you see somebody coming. You know how that feels when you see somebody coming in Target. You don't want to talk to them, so you go down the other aisle. (laughs) Same thing. It's like you go down, ah, there's a Gentile. I'm not going to even come close to that. That's some pretty strong racism. That's some pretty strong feelings that they had about the two groups of people. But Paul also talks about another barrier, the barrier of the social economic barrier, the barrier between those who are slaves and those who are free. Now, we don't understand the nature of slavery and freedom the way it was laid out in the first century, which is way different than it was in, in our American history. So Paul talks about this. The barrier was so great that the slaves were considered property to be owned, and the free people were considered free and actually people. Now, what's Paul saying in these, in these couple of sentences? He says there's no such thing as a church for Jews and a different one for Gentiles. He says there's no such thing as one church for whites or blacks or Latinos or Asians. He says there's no such thing as a separate church for one race and a different church for a different race. There's no such thing as a church for the upper class and one for the lower class. Paul is trying to take away these distinctions from people. Now, it doesn't mean we stop being Jewish or we stop being Gentile. 
But these distinctions no longer are to have any significance in how we live and relate together. See, the common life in the one spirit has eliminated that. Those distinctions, they don't separate us anymore. And in this, the body of Christ demonstrates the necessity of being united. I mean, Paul never envisioned a body of believers as anything but one body made up of a lot of different parts. And what gives the body its unity is the one spirit, the same spirit who also gives us our diversity through our gifts. Look at verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So Paul quickly just repeats his thought here. The church is composed of many types of people from a variety of backgrounds with a multitude of gifts. And it's easy, isn't it? For those differences at times to divide us. This may not be the only church you've ever experienced. But there are times that churches experience huge division for all sorts of reasons. Paul is saying here, no, we are one body put together by one spirit. That's what Paul wants us to know. And on this essential truth, the church finds unity. One Holy Spirit baptism, all believers into one body of the church. And we don't lose our individual identities, but we have this overriding oneness in Jesus. Maybe you've you've experienced this because this overriding oneness in Jesus, I think, is what happens at times when we're believers. And and maybe you meet someone that you hadn't seen for a long time, but you already know they're a believer. And it it feels like you're just, oh, you're instantly connected in some way. Or even you meet someone you don't know and you find out they're a Christian. Yeah, I go to Target a lot. So you're in Target and... and, uh, And you're walking down and you talk to somebody that you know or don't know and all of a sudden you find out the believers. What happens in your heart? You can feel a little more at one with them, right? That's what Paul's talking about. As members of God's family, we will have different interests and different gifts, but we pursue this common goal. We stand together in unity with Jesus Christ, one body composed of many parts. So you may be asking, I hope you are, that uh, what does unity look like? Because we're supposed to be unified, so what does that look like? Let me offer some suggestions. Unity is when we demonstrate devotion to one another. Unity is when we live in all humility and gentleness with one another. These are all out of scripture, by the way. I didn't make these up. Unity is when we exhibit patience with each other and we forbear with each other. It's when we honor one another above ourselves. That creates unity. It's when we seek forgiveness from someone that we have wronged. It's when we consider the interest of someone else as first place. We put ourselves in second place. It's when we carry the burdens of someone through the difficulties of life, like I actually saw yesterday with a life group who came around and supported and carried the burden of this widow through the death of her husband, one of the members of the group. It was amazing to see this group come into action and demonstrate unity and care and love for one of their own who was going through a very difficult time. It's also what Paul wrote about In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, near the end of that, he says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. That's familiar, right? You probably have it in your home somewhere on a sign, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And who's our model for love? Jesus has demonstrated that. 
See, God's gonna be honored and our hearts will find deeper satisfaction when we seek to love each other just as Jesus has loved us. We've all been baptized, placed into the same body. We are all united in Jesus. The church is to be a place of true and experiential oneness. And when it comes to fitting in and finding your place to belong, there is this necessity of being united. But there's a second necessity, and it's this, the necessity of being diverse. I thought of using the word different, but I think diverse is more culturally current, don't you think? We use that term diversity a lot today, and it's just the same thing as being different. Have you ever thought that it's, that it's good to be different? It's not bad, it's, it's good? I mean, a lot of people, I think, feel more comfortable when they're around people who are not different from them, but who are like them, who are, who are very close to who they are. For example, I was trying to think, how could I illustrate this? And, and so I was thinking about the clothes we wear or the shoes we wear. And I was thinking like, like, you know, a lot of people today, they wear clothes that advertise the maker or a certain brand, right? We have these little symbols all over our clothes, shoes and stuff, and we buy them. We say, I've got to buy that brand. I've got to buy that brand. We wear, the brands we wear actually tell us a lot about us. It can tell others how much we spent. That's one thing. It can tell others that we're just like them because we wear the same brand. We are in that philosophy of what that brand represents. <laughs> and if we don't wear brands on our clothes, or it's a different brand than what the other person is wearing, we learn something else sometimes as well. I mean, I go, why? Why do, why do we go along with the crowd? Or why do we go along with all of this wearing what other people wear? Because when we wear a certain brand, for example, we're saying, we fit in. I belong to that crowd. I'm just like them in some way. I'm with you. I'm on your same team. I love that kind of clothing. I love what it says. And we feel better when we look just like someone else. But when we hear someone say, <laughs> that guy's really different. What does that usually mean? I mean, it usually means they don't quite measure up, right? And we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. I mean, that's what I felt in high school. When I was standing in that PE line, one of the last ones to be picked, you know what I felt like? I didn't measure up. <coughs> I didn't measure up. <laughs> in all those places, I knew I didn't measure up. In high school, they tell, tell you that because they're not afraid to tell you you don't measure up. You don't belong here. You're not one of the popular kids. Get out of here. See, God's people are got to be different, and that's good, and distinct, and that's good. That's important. Now, here's our first time with a puzzle piece. You ready? Get your puzzle piece. Put it on your hand like I'm doing, if you don't mind. I'm nothing scary. I'm not going to make you stick it on your forehead or anything like that. <laughs> I want you to take a second... And I want you to just move your arm like this and show it to the person on your right and take a minute, compare the two puzzle pieces, go over to the left, compare that, look at those two puzzle pieces. Well, you guys are really getting into this. Okay, so what do you notice? I'm gonna tell you what you notice, right? They're not the same, they're different. They're not the same. They're different. That is a good thing. God's people are different and they're distinct from one another. And yes, it's a good thing. And I probably don't even need to tell you that because if you've been in this church for any length of time, you know we're all different. You've bumped up against people who are different in this body of believers. 
Just like you, the body is made up of different parts, the human body. And the body of Christ is also made up of all the differences, all the diversity that God desires. But have you ever run across someone who says, I don't want to be around you unless you're just like me? I don't know if you have. You don't fit into my mode. I mean, these people maybe want, they don't want to be around. They may not verbally tell you that, but they're going to tell you with their body language or they're going to turn the corner or something like that. That you don't dress like them, you don't talk like them, you maybe you don't style your hair like them. Every time I go get a haircut, my person wants me to style my hair different. I go, no, I like it the way it is. <laughs> Too old to look like that, you know? <laughs> and if you don't style your hair the way everybody else does, it's like, well, they think something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? Get with the plan, Gary. Get on board with everybody else. See, there, that's where the Corinthian believers were. They bought into a lie. They thought that because they didn't have a certain spiritual gift, namely the gift of tongues was rampant in that church, they weren't part of the body of Christ. Look at verse 15. We're going to have some more laughter in front of us as we read these two verses. Verse 15. And now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. First of all, the more I read this, the more I chuckled inside. I mean, just picture that, right? I mean, Paul is, is personifying some parts of the human body to make a point. I mean, can you imagine the foot saying something like this? You know, I've been watching a hand up there. It does all sorts of things that I don't ever get to do. Man, it can play the piano. It can answer the phone. It can pat babies on the head. It can write letters. It can even use just two of its thumbs and send texts to people all over the world. I mean, I've never done any of those things. If that's what it means to be a part of the body, then I guess I'm just not really part of the body. Now let's transition into something that some of us will connect with easier. How about football for a minute? Imagine the offense enters this huddle, and then when they enter huddles, they're going to make a play. For those of you who may not know that, they're going to make their next play. And suddenly, two guards, those are the big 300-pound guys that kind of stop the people from getting where the ball is. Anyway, those guards say, hey, if we can't be the quarterback, then we must not be part of the team. <laughs> I'm not really part of the team unless I can be the quarterback. I mean, they're part of the team, all right. But the team works best when every player does their part, their role, helping them succeed. This is what Paul's point is here. And just saying this brings up another thing I should mention. Christianity, when you think about football, is not a spectator sport. Again, back to football. You know, football is that game, maybe some of you heard this, where 22 men who are in desperate need of rest are watched by 50,000 plus people who are in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> Seen that? See, being a follower of Jesus isn't like that. It's not sitting in the stands, or at least it shouldn't be. You see, being a follower of Jesus is about being involved and active part of the body. Every part of the body is to get active, doing their part. Let's take this foot and hand analogy again with Paul. About four years ago, my wife Miriam broke her foot, and uh, she had to have surgery. So after surgery, they put her in you know, these really stylish black boots, not like ladies mostly wear, but they're all this other kind of boot stuff. And she was told, do not put any weight on your foot for six weeks. Well, that's what a foot is supposed to do. It's supposed to put weight on the foot. 
So she didn't, and during this time, that foot became a non-active part of her body, didn't it? Her body wasn't functioning, it was designed to do, and life became very hard. And when I asked her if I could share this, she said, and don't forget, it was hard for you too, and I go, yeah, it was, that's right. She needed help just to get around. She couldn't do the normal things of life that that foot does for her, like walk. That's pretty basic. I mean, her body wasn't functioning properly and there was this lack of effectiveness. Her body wouldn't do what it was supposed to do. The foot was inactive. Now, thankfully, her foot got better and she became active again and I got rest. So we're all good with that. But when members of the body, the church, refuse to use their body part for the church, the church is not nearly everything God wants it to be and should be. And Paul speaks of this in the very next verse. Look at this, verse 17. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You see, in this portion of the text, Paul's telling us the body needs both the foot and the hand. It also needs both the ear and the eye. And he doesn't mention those parts, but if it's going to smell, it needs a nose too, doesn't it? Without these body parts, it cannot function properly the way God wants it to to function. A healthy body has many different parts and it supports the many different functions. And it's possible that in this analogy by Paul that some in the Corinthian church were feeling inferior because they didn't have the right part. If you didn't have a certain gift, I already mentioned the gift of tongues in in the Corinthian church, you were looked at as not having an important gift. You needed that. And so they began to think, I must not be a part of the body. (laughs) And this caused some people to think that. But Paul is trying to correct this thinking. The point he's making is that there's a need for all the parts of the body. All parts. And the parts that feel inferior are still very much a part of the body. Because even though they may feel that, that doesn't take them out of the body. See, Paul's giving us encouragement to all parts of the body. The foot may be very well depressed, you know, and it's an ability to just exercise all the functions of the hand. And the foot may say, I'm just an ordinary part of the body. But that does not put it outside of the body. It's not enough for the church to support one function and ignore the rest. To do that cripples the church. There are no inferior, unimportant parts of the body. There are no inferior, unimportant gifts to be exercised in the body. Each part of the body, the gift is vitally important to the proper working out of the body. Okay, got your puzzle piece? Isn't this fun? Hope I don't take too much time with this, but now imagine for a minute, you or an others, some other people are at this giant table and you're working on putting this thousand, which it actually is, thousand piece puzzle together. But you know what? Somewhere during the evening you decide, I'm not putting my puzzle piece in the puzzle. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hide it. I'm not going to put it in its proper place. Because I love my puzzle piece and I want to hold on to it. I don't want to let it go. I mean, what happens? It's clear, right? The puzzle has a hole in it. The puzzle has an empty spot. It's not complete. The picture the puzzle was designed to create when all the pieces are put inside 
cannot be seen completely. God didn't create a church with empty spots, with holes that makes it hard for the complete picture to be seen by others. He has created the church made up of many different puzzle pieces and you're one of them if you're part of this church. He has given the church an entire body with all its members desired to be working in working order. Let's go on to verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This is a wonderful picture verse for us. I mean, God is the one who has assigned the various functions to the different parts of the body, right? And Paul says there is diversity in the body, and this is by God's design. God has arranged all the parts of the LBF church body, every one of them just as God wanted them to be. God's oversight, his creativity include every member that is part of this body, It doesn't matter whether your gift is easily seen or not. It may be the gift and the part of the body that doesn't even get functioning on Sunday morning. It's no less important. Every one of us here at LBF is here by divine placement. You may be thinking, well, Gary, you know, my friend just the other day, they decided to stop coming to LBF. They're going to go to some other church. What about that? What happened to that body part? You know, let me just say there's some good reasons, healthy reasons. There's also some bad reasons to move on from one church to another. I'm not going to address that. But I believe it's well within the ability of God to replace that unique body part of the person who leaves with someone new. Happens all the time. People are coming and going from this church and others all the time. See, the Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts and he's provided and he's going to continue to provide for every need that LBF has. Every part will be accounted for that is needed. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? I mean, Paul's still hammering home this idea of diversity with this rhetorical question. A body is not a body if it has one giant ear, right? can't have a body with one ear. Everything else is missing. Or one giant eye. I mean, we can't even imagine an eyeball, you know, without a body. I mean, I know we're coming close to Halloween. That's kind of like monsterish, isn't it? It's not a body. It's not a body. We're still talking about diversity here for Paul. He needed the body to be a body. No matter how visible any one member may be, there can be no body created from one part alone. Verse 20, as we wrap up this this morning. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We already heard that, Paul. Yeah, we did. Here, Paul just brings us to inclusion. It's like, I'm not sure you're getting it yet. Let's make sure we get this. It's our conclusion for this morning as well. Because Paul's been talking about the many parts of the body, and in that there is diversity. But he ends with the idea of one body, which is the need for unity. So we have unity and diversity. Those are the two key things he's talking about in this passage. Many parts, one body. Now you may remember this statement I started with this morning, the, the, the thing I wanted us to remember. So I'm going to say it again, but I'm going to say it a little differently than I did the first time. You ready? Of course you are. Life Bible Fellowship Church the body of believers in North Upland demonstrates its oneness by functioning like a human body with every part playing its necessary role. 
LBF, Life Bible Fellowship Church, a church body of believers in North Upland demonstrates its oneness by functioning like a human body with every part playing its necessary role. If you're here this morning and you think my part's not important, Paul just said you're wrong. There are no inferior parts of the body of believers. All parts, all things, all gifts that we have here are for the health and the need of LBF by God's design they've been placed here. And I believe God's desire is for each of us to find a place where we can use the gift he's given to, for the common good, as, as Dan talked about last week, and get busy helping this body function fully and properly. There's a place for you to fit in. There's a place for you to belong. Okay, pull out that puzzle piece one more time. You're not tired of it yet, right? If I'm going to buy this puzzle, you have to use it, okay? <laughs> this time as you look at this puzzle piece, I want you to see it as you. This is you functioning as a part of the body, a unique part of the body, a part of the body placed here by God's design. But now you're looking at it and you're going... It's not connected to any other puzzle piece. It's not fit into its designed place. And let me just say once again, and because of that, the picture that God desires to show the world through his church here in North Upland has a hole in it. The picture cannot be fully seen. And the health of the body cannot be complete when a certain part isn't here and isn't functioning. So let me just ask, leave you with a question. Are you just simply coming to this church, family, taking advantage of all it has to offer, but have not yet become a functioning member of the body of Christ called LBF? If so, the truth is that LBF has holes. It has empty spots where your puzzle piece is meant to fit. And I would simply challenge you to rethink that. I would challenge you that you ought to be able to find a place to fit in and put your piece of the puzzle into an empty spot so that we can reflect to the world and to one another the value of oneness, the value of unity, the value of diversity to a world who desperately needs to hear it. That is the message of Jesus Christ about the body of Christ. Now, if you're sitting here this morning and you have become a functioning member of the body here at LBF, can I just say... Yay. Thank you. That's great. You get it. You're living it. You're active. My word to you is continue to grow in that gift. Continue to flourish in that. And if something is not working right and that's not quite the place for you, then move on to a new place, but don't stop being active in one way or another. Let's pray together. Father, it's been my prayer that as I share these words with this church family called LBF, that the message that you had intended, Paul, as an inspired writer of the scriptures, to get through to not only the Corinthian church, but to us, has come through today. And I pray that for what's going on in the people's heads and hearts and minds, that God, they would not leave simply by going out the door and talking with their friends and getting to know each other, but you would, you would keep us as a church family individually thinking about this concept, thinking about what you have done for us, thanking you for what 
this church up here in the north part of Upland can represent to this community as we love each other in the ways that have been described and demonstrate unity amongst our diversity. God, I don't even know what that complete picture would look like, but I can imagine it would be great. I can imagine your Holy Spirit working through each of us in wonderful ways that demonstrate something that is not seen anywhere else. So Father, would you grow us? Would you take Paul's words, as I've tried to explain them today, would you take them and embed them into our hearts so that we are people who are going to be actively connected, a functioning part of this body? And may we look that there is no gift that's inferior, that all of us have some type of role to play that you have made us for and you have designed us for. So God, thank you for this morning and thank you for all that you are doing at LBF in helping us become like your son, the Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray. 